Go to Isaiah 62. Anybody here like the Bible? My wife loves the Bible. My mom loves the Bible. My mom's here from California. It's really fun to have her. Pretty happy to see my mom. Isaiah 62. The title of the message this morning is Prayer, Pray and Prepare the Way. And then it says in verse 1 of Isaiah 62, verse 1, it says, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. Hey, let's pray. God, oh God, what do you want to say today? How do you want to touch our hearts today? God, we just want to be open. I just, I just want to say this over myself and everybody here. God, speak to us. We don't come here to hear a preacher. We come to hear you. So, God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you change our lives? Would everyone walk out of here with some bread, something to strengthen and nourish their heart? And pray that over each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for I, for let me read that verse one more time. For a Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. So Isaiah writes this passage out. He writes this. And in the day that Isaiah writes this, he lives in a country that is walking through all sorts of compromise, all sorts of apathy. There's people in abuse. There's people in struggle. There's the religious leaders are kind of apathetic. There's not a lot of heartfelt running after God. There's a lot of brokenness, wishy-washes. There's a lot of outward enemies and inward enemies. There's things going wrong on the outside and on the inside of Israel. Isaiah looked around at his nation, his community, his people, and there was this holy no that rose up in him. There was this it's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. My nation's not supposed to be this way. My family's not supposed to be this way. We're not supposed to have, you know, 1,300 homeless people in Whatcom County. We're not supposed to have one out of every two uh, marriages ending in divorce. We're, we're not supposed to have the struggles, the brokenness that we have. We're not, we're not meant to have the youth and young adults of our nation walking away from God, but meant to go farther and grow farther and go further than their parents. We're not made for confusion. We're not made for struggle. We're made for something more. Isaiah had this thing in his heart that he went, it's not supposed to be this way. And so with that holy no in his heart, he says this, for Zion's sake, I can't keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I'm not going to be quiet until their righteousness goes forth as brightness and our salvation as a burning torch. I'm not going to be silent with what's going on in my family. I'm not going to go silent with what's happening in my school. I'm not going to be silent with what's happening in my midst. I can't be quiet. No. And in that holy no... There was something that rose up in his heart, and he heard the word of God for his nation. And this is what it says in verse 2 through verse 4. 
The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem like a crown in the hand of your God. No more you termed forsaken, and your land will no longer be termed desolate, but you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married for the Lord delights in you and your land will be married. This is what God saw over the people. What does God see over you? What does God see over your family? What does God see over Bellingham, over Washington State? What does God see? If, if you're anything like me, it's easily to look at what we see through the lens of everything going, around, around, going along around us. We can view people and we can view circumstances through the lens of how everyone sees them. But can I tell you, that's not how God sees them. What are we agreeing with with our eyes and with our ears? What do we believe and contend for what's true? Isaiah, when he reads this, he's talking to an apathetic people who are frustrated and walking in compromise, and he says this, I'm not going to be silent. Until, until the righteous, the nations see your righteousness and the kings your glory. Until you're known by a new name that God will give you. You're going to be like a royal crown. You're not going to be turned forsaken. You're not going to be desolate, but you're going to be called God's delight is in you. I remember this one time when I was working at the hospital, my, my boss, Nancy, was a really great lady and and we had really great conversations about Jesus and all this stuff. And, and I must have made, somehow I must have let her know or made her have the assumption that my coworker Ken was a Christian, which he wasn't. And I'm talking to Nancy in her office. We're just going back about how good Jesus is and stuff. And in walks Ken. And Nancy turns to Ken and says, hey, Ken, isn't it so good to know that we're, someday we're going to be with Jesus? And she's like, he's like, uh, yeah, boss. And, um, isn't it good to know that your, our sins are forgiven? And man, isn't, aren't you just so excited to go to heaven? <laughs> and, and Ken didn't know what to do because Nancy was just like assuming that he was a Christian and that he was on his way to heaven. And, and it was so hilarious because in the process of several months, I saw Ken's heart open up more and more towards the things of God. And a big part of that is how the people, the Christians in his life, viewed him. When we see people in our city and around us, what if we saw people with the eyes of God and we saw this, hey, Chuck, Sally, Joe, Cindy, whatever your name is, you're not going to be term forsaken. In fact, God's called you to be like a royal crown that he puts on his head. Your righteousness is going to shine that people are going to see it from far away because they see the closeness and intimacy of God on your life. Now, they might look at you and go, eh, that ain't me. Did you see what I did yesterday? But God's like, oh, but you don't know what I'm making you into. You don't know the mercy that I have for you, the different path. And people need to see in your eyes and in my eyes the mercy and the delight of God. Hey, you didn't save yourself anyway, right? 
I didn't save myself anyway. God is on a mission to draw each one of us to his heart. There's no other place in all the world, no other religion or whatever that's like Christianity. In religion, it's the story of man attempting to get to God. Working really hard, making all these things, bringing all these offerings, maybe I'll be good enough for God. But in Christianity, it's the story of a God who comes down, sets a table, has you sit at the head of it, and feeds you a beautiful meal. It's the story of God's love who he seeks us out and he says, my delight is in you. My plan is for you. I have something for you. And in the space of us being transformed because of his love, everything shifts. I like what it says in Romans 5. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. Now, most people wouldn't be willing to die for a good person. Although some people might die for a really good person. But God showed his great love by sending us Christ to die for us when we were still sinners. Because he saw something in you and I. He saw something in you and I. He's like, oh my goodness, they're worth dying for. What do we see when we look at culture? What do we see when we see people? What do we see when you see our families, our friends? Could it be that God is saying, I want you to have eyes like me to see what I see in them? I like what it says in Ezekiel 18.23. It says this, Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord? No, but rather that they would turn from their way and live. This is God's passion. This Isaiah 62 is God's heart over all people. God simply cries and invites his people into this partnership. Be like Isaiah. Stand up and say, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to be quiet until I see my family transformed. I'm not going to be quiet until I see even my own heart transformed. Why? Because God promised he would do something. Says this in verse 6. It says this, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night who will never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest. You ever been up late at night, maybe like 2, 3 in the morning? Can't sleep? Worry? I think that that worry, God has called us to lift to him. It's not about us worrying and trying to figure out what we're going to do, but God actually wants to take every space of worry for another person in the middle of the night and say, God, you see me, you see my family, you see what's going on. God, I'm not going to give myself any rest, and I'm not going to give you any rest until something changes. Prayer works. Prayer works. Your weak, my weak little prayers where we're saying, God, I hope you show up. He hears it. He cares about it. He wants to answer. Take no rest. Give him no rest. Until when? Until the nations see the righteousness. Until they're called by a new name. Until they become like a crown of beauty in the hand of God. Until they're no longer termed forsaken, desolate, far from God, empty and frustrated, but have given a name 
that God, they see the delight of God is in them. This is God's desire. But you have a role to play. I have a role to play. And the role to play is to stand up with a holy no in my heart and say, this is not okay. It's not supposed to be this way. To stand up on that wall of prayer and say, God, I'm not going to rest and I'm not going to give you any rest until this happens. I like Isaiah 54, 17, it says this. Some of you need to say this as you go through the week and you're feeling harassed and frustrated. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me declares the Lord. So here's the question. If no weapon formed against us will prosper, why do all these things happen? Why is it that sometimes we feel harassed and you feel weapons going against you? You feel people against you. You feel things not working out. I think sometimes our issue is it's like a robber that walks in our house and we, walk, we watch him walk around. He comes in, he takes our TV, he walks out the door. He comes in again and he takes the china set. And all the while we're standing there going, hey, this ain't right. And God says two things. One, lock your door. Two, resist the devil, and he shall flee. So I think some of it is, you see issues going on in your family, your life, even your own heart. There's something in us that has to rise up with a holy no and say, not gonna happen. I'm standing in the way. You don't get to walk any farther. If the devil isn't challenged, he'll walk right around. He knows he's not supposed to be there. He doesn't care. We have to resist him in our heart and with our emotions and say, no further. No further in this marriage. No further in my thoughts. No further in this school. No further. Uh-uh. No. I'm standing up. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until their righteousness goes forth as brightness and our salvation as a burning torch. No. Not okay. I have found that it's really easy as Christians for us to try to tough it out. We, we try to just persevere and say, well, God's going to carry me through. And he will. He will carry us through. But he's calling us to open our mouths. When we're discouraged to speak out the promises of who God is. When we're tempted to call a friend. When we're struggling to stand up and say, this is who God is. This is what he says. That's my part. To stand up, to pray, to speak. If I tough it out, eventually my strength will fade. Anyone been there? Just me. Okay. It says this in the Bible. It says this. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So when you're struggling financially, first step. Stand up in your heart and say, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I know a guy named Danny Moe. I don't know if Danny Moe's still around or not, but he was in the, in the beginning when he was a young married guy. They didn't make very much money. He was a preacher. And he went to the mailbox, and there was 15 bills in there, and he sat down at his dinner table, and he opened up the first bill, and it was an electric bill, and he already didn't have enough money to pay for it. 
And he opened up the bill and he went like this. Wow, God, amazing. I don't know how you're going to pay this bill for $47.30, but wow, praise God. Next bill, 200 and something. Wow, look what God's going to, this is amazing. I don't know how this is going to work, but he's going to do it. And he took the places of discouragement, the places where he didn't know what to do, and he brought it to God and said, God, you said you'd supply my needs. Here you go. Now, the key to that is he was also submitted to God's ways. He said, okay, God, not my way, your way. I give it to you. Here's another promise. I will see the goodness of God in the land of living. Here's another one. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's something about standing up and speaking out loud what God has said. It reminds your heart and it positions you to expect God's going to move. Don't be silent. I love 62 verse 8. It says this, The Lord has sworn by his right arm, by his mighty arm, I will not give your grain to be food for your enemies, and foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored. I'm not going to let all that you have labored for and worked for and invested in your family and invested in your work and invested in your life, I'm not going to let that be stolen from you. Just don't be silent. Satan's job description, anybody know it? Kill, steal, destroy. He'll do that all day long. The best part of it is he'll kill, steal, and destroy, and then he'll blame you for the results. Does it all the time. But what does it say in Isaiah, or Psalms 91? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 7 of 91, it says, A thousand might fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see. Why? Verse 9, because you made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. There's something about speaking out what God has said. Standing on the word of God and saying, this, God, this is what you said. I'm not going to be silent. I'm standing on what you said. I think another important point of all this, Satan loves to kill, steal, and destroy. But if we give to God first, now it's his. And it's not very easy to steal from God. We give God the first of our time, the first of our money, the first of our affections. We give it to him. We surrender our family. By the way, your kids are not yours. They're God's anyway, so just give them to him. He loves your family more than you do anyway. He has a better plan than yours anyway. They're on loan from God anyway. And in all of it, we simply do this. We yield to God's ways. And then we say, okay, boss, what do you want to do? I like verse 11 of 62. It says, Behold, the Lord is proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. That's his restitution. You guys, there's a lot of folks, maybe in this room, but also in our community that need to hear this. Behold, your salvation comes. God has a reward with him for those who seek him. He's going to make all wrong things right. People need to hear that there's hope. Amen? 
People need to know that thing, there's hope at the end of the tunnel. God says what? I am coming. I'm going to make all wrong things right. I'm going to reward those who earnestly sought me. I'm, gonna, I'm coming. And he says in verse 12, they shall be called the holy people. Hey guys, that's what God wants to say to each person as they yield to him. Hey, I'll make you holy, set apart, made right before me. You feel like you're a piece of work? So am I. We all are. He's transforming us. Let him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called what? Sought out. I was down at Boulevard Park. This is like three, four months ago. And there was this lady. She had a little tiny teepee tent. You ever seen those little kids' teepees that people set up? She had a little teepee in front of it. It said, free psychic readings on it. And there was a line of people waiting for their free psychic reading. And I was looking at that, and I'm like, people just want to know that they're seen. People just want to know, is there something for me? Is there a plan? Is there hope for me in the midst of all of this? And God wants to use you, and God wants to use me to look people in the eye and say this. God wants to set you apart to be a holy people, redeemed sought out. Hey, server at restaurant. Hey, neighbor. Hey, family member. Hey, person that feels very far away from God. You're not forsaken. You're not cast away. You're sought out. His desire is for you, but folks, they need to hear it. You need to hear it. I need to hear it. It needs to be known. You're the redeemed of the Lord, the sought out ones. Say to them. This whole passage talks in the context of prayer, and that's the prayer in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day. And it says this, On your wall, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. What do, you, what do watchmen do? They stand and they look for allies, and they look for enemies. They're standing in the middle of the night with a torch in their hand, and they're scanning the horizon, making sure no enemy comes, and they're making sure that allies can come. There are people in your life who have prayed for you and have been watchmen in your life, have lifted that torch and said, don't you touch my daughter, don't you touch my son. Enemy, get out. And we are, I believe this, everybody in this room has had somebody at some point cry out to God on their behalf, saying, oh God, protect them. Oh God, don't let them fall into temptation. Oh God, keep them encouraged. Help them. And those enemies have been kept at bay because of their prayers. Anybody have someone that's been praying for them? I know I have. Thanks, Mom. Watchmen are looking for allies, and they're looking for enemies. They want to keep what's evil out, and they want to keep what's good coming in. As watchmen, we're called to pray. And here's the thing with prayer. I love the story of Elijah, and he had his servant on a mountain. There had been a, a drought in the land for several years. And Elijah's on this mountain, and he's going to pray that the rain ends. 
he stands there and he prays. And he gets, actually it says that he got down on his knees. He put his head between his knees and he cried out to God, God, send rain. Then he says to his servant, hey, go check, go to the edge of the hill and see if there's any clouds or anything happening. Servant walks over, looks over, nothing. Comes back, hey, Elijah, your prayer didn't work. Elijah prays again. Oh, God, send the rain. He goes, comes back, nothing. Have you ever prayed like that? You pray, you know it's a good thing, you're praying for the right thing. God, would you show up? Would you do this? Nothing. One time, two times, five times, 20 times, 40 times, 80 times. What if the breakthrough for your prayer is at the 201th time, the 500th time, the 2,000th time? See, Elijah says that he prayed, and he prayed seven times for the rain to come. He prayed, kept praying, and he kept praying. And it says that on the seventh time, the servant goes to the edge of the hill. He looks, and he says he saw a cloud like the size of a man's hand coming up out of the sea. The thing about Elijah is he would have prayed until the answer came. Because he was convinced it wasn't his efforts that was going to bring the transformation. It was only God that was going to do it. For my family, for my friends, for myself, for my future, for what's going on. God is looking for people that will stand and, yes, kneel. And that prayer would go deeper into the guts of who we are. And say, God, if you don't show up, nothing's going to work. We need the rain to come from you. Help. What if you're one prayer away from breakthrough? What if you're one moment away from seeing that thing realized? For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until it happens. On your walls of Jerusalem, I set up watchmen all the day and all the night who will not be silent. I think what happens too is sometimes we get a little discouraged in trying to walk with God. And we're contending in faith and believing for God to do something and then suddenly we find that run is to a walk, to a crawl, to a sitting, to a hoping, to a stopping. And God wants to encourage us this morning that what you prayed at the beginning is still true. What you cried out for him long ago is still true. There's a story of a guy named Zechariah in, in the New Testament. And it said this. He was crying out for a son, and now he was an old man. And an angel comes to Zechariah in the book of Luke, and it says this. Zechariah, that prayer that you're no longer praying, I have now answered. In other words... Zechariah had given up hope. He'd given up faith that God was going to do something. And God said this, I still remember your prayers. I still see you. Elijah prayed and rain came. And I love what it said too. He said this, it was like a size of a man's hand. This tiny little cloud was coming up out of the, out of the water. And he said this to his servant, Run! Maybe the answer does not even look like much of an answer, but it's the beginnings of an answer. Let's stand in faith and go, you know what? 
I'm praying. God said he would answer. He's answering. Let's go. I find that what happens in the waiting, standing on the wall praying, is that I get changed. I realize I never had control anyway over my circumstances. God refines my motivations, and we begin to want what he wants, not just what we want. We're called to pray, and we're called to prepare. What's the dream that God has put in my heart and in your heart this morning? Maybe you're like, I don't even know. What's the thing that's wrong that you're like, this needs to be made right? We're called to stand in prayer. You know what the second thing we're called to do? It's prepare. It says this in verse 10. It says, go through. Go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift a signal over the peoples. Three things are happening in here. I'll read it one more time. Go through. Go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift a signal over the peoples. Go through the gates, build up the highways. Three, lift up a signal. What's a gate? A gate is a place of access where stuff comes in and co stuff comes out. What comes into my life and what comes out of my life? What comes into those around us? What comes out of the people around us? What are the influences on my heart? What are the influences on their heart? That is the where often the battle is won and lost over the hearts of people, including our own. We walk in and we allow things of discouragement and doubt and perversion into our heart, and we wonder why we're struggling in believing God. We walk in places where there's mixture and then there's confusion. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people. There's something about standing in the midst of culture, lifting up that torch of who God is and saying, God, would you come here? With an expectation in our heart, God's going to move. Go through the gates. Number two, build up the highways, clear it of stones. What, what are these he talking about here? He's talking about people returning to God. But when people return to God, there needs to be a road they can walk on. Sometimes people have places of fear and, and unforgiveness and struggle. We might be praying for someone that they might turn to God, but, but we're, we're struggling with forgiveness in our heart and jealousy in our heart. And God's like, clear it of stones. Make sure that there's an easy road for people in relationship. Have them over for dinner. Get rid of the stones of offense in your heart. And thirdly, lift up a banner. A signal over the people. What's that banner? What's that signal? It's Jesus. He really is hope and he really is life. The mention of his name shifts things. Go through the gates, prepare the way, clear it of stones, lift up the banner. In all situations and all struggles and all issues, lift up the banner of Christ. Don't know what to do. Praise him for who he is. Look at him. He'll show you the way home. He'll show them the way home. People need to see that there's a light more than just self-help and things we do. It's Christ. It's God. Prepare the way. 
is there a holy discontent in you that says things are not how they're supposed to be? I just want you to picture yourself right now. You're standing on a wall. There's a bunch of darkness in front of you. Is there a no in your heart that says this is not how it's supposed to be? Give him no rest. Give yourself no rest until what? It's different. Until it's changed. Until you're changed. Until it's changed. Say, God, you gotta show up. I'm going to ask everybody to take their phone out. And I want you to write down one to three names of people that you are praying for that God would show up in their life. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's your mom. Could it be that God wants to, you to partner with him? That you look at that person's life and go, God, you have so much more for them than where they're at. To give God no rest and to give yourself no rest until things change. Why? Because they're the sought out ones. They're the ones that God loved and died for. Could it be that he's sending you and he's sending me to stand on the wall and be an ally that says, enemy, you don't get to come in here. Good things get to come in here. That's what God has for this person. What's really interesting is in Isaiah 63, Isaiah 62. Hey, Nick, would you mind popping up? On my guitar. Isaiah 62 is Isaiah saying, things are not right. Isaiah 63 says this. There's a person that's coming. And he's dressed in splendid garments. In fact, his clothes are marked red. Why? Because it's the blood of his enemies. I trod the winepress in anger, and I trampled my enemies in my wrath. He's coming with this confident, walking, deliberate step, and he's walking towards the wall. And there's the watchman holding his torch, speaking out and saying, God, you said that they were the sought-out ones. God, you said that they would not be forsaken. God, you said that they would not be desolate, but that you would delight in them. So, God, I'm not going to give you any rest, and I'm not going to give myself any rest until what? Until God comes. Because he's the only answer. And Satan would love for us to believe your prayers don't work. Nothing's happening. Why? Because he wants you off the wall. He wants you not to trust that it's going to happen. And, folks, I'm asking you today, would you join me on the wall? I know many of you are there already. Would you join me on the wall of contending for Whatcom County? That we would stand and say, not on our watch. Whatcom County will not be destroyed on God's watch. Not on our watch. We will see people transformed, healed, delivered, marriages saved, children saved, God bringing healing, not destruction to our city. 
There are so many in this community. Just walk, go to Winco and look at people's eyes and look and see, do you see hope there? Do you see encouragement there? People feel alone. They need to see in our eyes, God sees you. He cares for you. So if you could all stand on up this morning. Got a friend or a family? Somebody that, did anybody, did you write a name down? Anybody write a name down? Wave at me. I want you to do this this week. Isaiah 62. Do it in the morning, do it at night. But take verses 2 through 5 and say this. The righteous, the nations shall see your righteousness and the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name. The name of the Lord will give. You will be like a crown of beauty in the hand of God and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No more will you be termed forsaken. No more desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her. That's what God has for the people of this county. Amen? Really? But God's looking for watchmen that will stand on the wall and say, not on my watch. No. So God, right now, today, we lift up to you all those that you've put on our heart to stand with, God. We stand on the wall and we lift up mothers and fathers, uncles and aunts, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, neighbors and co-workers. And we say, not on my watch. God, we just cry out right now, God, that we would be those that would pray and prepare the way. We don't want any offenses in our heart that would keep them from coming to you. We pray any spaces of jealousy to be dealt with, we let it go. Any places of unforgiveness, we let it go. And we ask God, would you transform and heal every heart? May they see the delight of God in and through us. And everyone said, amen. God takes a long time to do things suddenly. But when you see that cloud, that tiny cloud coming up out of the, out of the water, it's time to run because God's going to do a good work. Hey, can we put our benediction on the screen, Ron? Let's pray this over them. Let's pray this over ourselves and our family. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God, we cry this out for our community. Pray that's over each one of us here. Thank you, God, for your hand upon us. Thank you for your safety to each one. We love you, Jesus. Everyone said amen. Bless you. So good to see you.